Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All the dish that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on 77 WABC. Good afternoon. I am Madam Adams. I am Cindy Adams from the New York Post. You can read me, and if you aren't, you should, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And I have been there since I say all the time, since Alexander Hamilton founded it. And I am now going to say a few things that are bothering me. I am going to say a while back, like in 44 BC, give or take a week, It's when Julius Caesar was somehow knocked off and we got us the birth of the Roman Empire. But it wasn't all bad because we also got lasagna and risotto with it. This is the beginning of March. This is the beginning of the world. A soothsayer named Spurina. I wasn't there at the time, but they say that was her name. She was one of those crystal ball types who lives with a sign in the window. And she told Julius to beware the Ides of March, whatever they are. I don't know what they are, but a smart-ass didn't pay attention, and we all know what happened to Julie. Unbelievable, since the guy wasn't even on CNN, because if he were, he'd also have been knocked off. I asked a friend who was born this month, what actually means the Ides, I-D-E-S, the Ides of March? Her answer, how should I know? Where do you want to have dinner? That's as far as I got. Being a full-service reporter, I bring news that the month was big with writers. This month of March is a wholly important month. In 1859, Sholem Aleichem was born. 1922, F. Scott Fitzgerald published The Beautiful and Damned. 1906 brought Elizabeth Barrett Browning. 1905 in Brooklyn, Mickey Spillane. 1818, Edward Albee. He appeared the 12th of 1928. And John Updike arrived in whatever the hell is Shillington. I don't even know where it is. Then we had Tennessee Williams, who arrived as a teeny baby inside the rectory of his Episcopalian minister, Grandpa. That was in Columbus, Mississippi. They had a church. Those days, there was no TV, so there wasn't much to do. So the month was heavy on arrivals. 1933 came Philip Roth. 1828, Ibsen, all writers. 1868, Novgorod, or whatever his name is. I mean, if he was so smart, why didn't he change his name? Alexei Maximovich Peshkov, who got renamed Yorkie. You want to know what came in this month? It is the month of Lady Gaga, Justin Bieber, Tom Arnold, Christopher Walken, Ewan McGregor, Rhea Perlman, 
Lupita Nyong'o, Javier Bardem, Daniel Craig and his Mrs. Rachel Weiss, Ron Howard and daughter Bryce, Rebel Wilson, Tom Arnold, Rob Reiner. Also, 1776, no, 1767, our seventh president, Andrew Jackson. I understand this maybe doesn't come up a lot in conversation, but 1917 is when Tsar Nicholas abdicated this very month. Have respect. The month of March is a high-class month. Not a, not a wildly exciting party month. It's not like celebrating Easter, Thanksgiving, or Valentine's Day. But a designer named Joanna Mastriani, whose birthday is the 20th, told me, March is blessed. Yeah, why? She says it signifies the beginning of spring. Daffodils are yellowing. Cherry blossoms pinking. Birds singing. Flowers blooming. Crocuses breathing. Should that be croci? Crocuses are breathing. Trees are greening. We got hyacinths, tulips, seeds living. The weather is warming. Darkness is over. It's more sun. It's more daylight. It's rebirth. Also, it's the beginning of tax collectors. Meanwhile, on air, there is a Democratic spokesperson. Her name is Donna Brazil. You will see her and hear her on television. Her open mouth just told her open mic. This is her direct quote. Our VP will be our next president. Okay, I nearly threw up. So I then told her what cannot be printed here. And her reply was, I have no plans to abandon our VP. She gets a bad rap for being the other. But there's more there there than can be explained. Meantime, how about you and I have dinner soon? I gave her no answer, except to say, no more dinners with you. Soon you'll tout Anthony Weiner for Secretary of State. I, of course, am too kindly and gracious to say this, but the thought is that our VP has had one more bust than she needs. Only in New York City, D.C., and everywhere, kids, only in New York, D.C., and everywhere. Okay, now, I want you, I'm going to go into a serious topic. Please pay attention, because this is important for us all. The word here is watch. Watch. Watch your watch, your wallet, credit card, key, vehicle, receipt, checkbook. There's more two-legged rats around than those rooming with the mayor. Street-level beauty salons have to be careful. Ladies who are there, locked in under hair tints. Their handbags are on the floor. Thieves run in, swipe them, run out, all before gray roots turn blonde. Let me tell you about a couple of car washes. There was a blue BMW with black-tinted windows. It drove into Mamaronek's Diamond Car Wash on Halstead Avenue. 
a passenger, all in black, gloves, mask, hood, jumped out of his car and into a just-washed BMW X5, so fast nobody knew what happened. The car was recovered that night in Queens and eventually returned to its owner. I'm telling you guys, you gotta watch. Law enforcement pros are saying syndicates employ street people. Now, I didn't know this. Maybe you did. Street people work late at night. They are hired to scour city sidewalks outside bars, restaurants, ATM machines. They're on the hunt for fallen ID cards, credit cards, bank checks, receipts, scraps of paper, memos that include information to utilize in producing fake credentials. These items then are sold to syndicates that operate in locations that have special machinery capabilities and can quickly manufacture fake IDs, ATM cards, checks, documents which then work on banks, institutions, retail establishments, stores, online, plus brick and mortar. I know what I'm talking about. I have been investigating this. I have spoken to the specialists. They're telling me that I should tell you it is a good idea to use tiles, T-I-L-E-S, or something called Apple AirTags, or other tracking systems for your wallets, handbags, backpacks, briefcases, vehicles, especially with valet parking or even tags on your pets. And remember, security cameras if the car parks on your driveway. You must change passwords. Communications are vulnerable. Change your passwords frequently for whatever are your motoring devices. You have to assume cyber special communications can be broken. Even Signal, a most reliable encrypted form of communication, was recently compromised. It happens to us all. Think De Niro, Rihanna, two Kardashians, Simon Cowell, Gigi Hadid, A-Rod. Engaging with strangers, online, in person, or by phone, use common sense. An example, a text alert that your account's been accessed without your authorization. Do not, not respond to that text. Forget a middleman. Contact your bank directly. And if possible, make an appointment in person. Visit your financial institution. They can see you. You can see them. Introduce yourself. Mention concerns about identity theft and fraud. Request ways that help you avoid vulnerability. In New York, everybody runs. 
either a jogger running to keep the figure or a pedestrian running to keep the wallet. So, another little thing. We've spoken today to the Manhattan Borough President who tells me how wonderful everything is in Manhattan. So let me tell you a New York City real estate story. People are moving in. People are moving out. We got homeless. We got migrants. High rent. New appliances not arriving. Unhappy landlords always arriving. So this cranky tenant says to the landlord, my roof leaks, rain comes in, my floors are flooded. How long will this continue? The landlord says, why ask me? What am I, a weatherman? This is only in New York, kids, only in New York. Okay, so I am now going to continue on and tell you something else. I want to talk to you about Ukraine. Ukraine is on its second year of war. The Food Network's Rachel Ray is right now at this very moment on her fourth trip to Ukraine. She says, being that I'm up every morning at home, maybe I'm watching too much news. But seeing grandmothers take up arms and build Molotov cocktails in their backyard was just too much for me. I couldn't sleep anymore. So, she says, it's the nonprofit Ukraine Friends and Ukraine Committee of America who bring the ambulances, thousands of laptops, short-term housing. They are the ones who are coordinating my safety and arranging my trip, my logistics and protection while I am in their country. She is there right now. She left for Ukraine two days ago. She says day and night, these people are there each time a siren goes off and while people like you and me are living through it. They are watching in horror as friends and family get killed right in front of them. She says, Day and night they are there, and I bring a laundry list of things with me whenever I go, so the Ukrainians can survive. I help mothers rebuild kitchens destroyed by artillery. I cook with kids at orphanages, shelters, and I visit hospitals. My husband even made food for 5,000 people one day to those displaced from the front lines. And we bring critical supplies like IFACS, that's I-F-A-K-S, which stands for Individual First Aid Kits. I said, well, how do you get there? She says, well, the route is we fly to Italy. Then it's go to Poland. Then it's a drive, a long journey, many hours. We cross two borders and we pass many controls. Everything is in box trunks. You cross two borders and you are given special passes 
which get us from one point to another. It's all safe houses. Stops are only where people train for the front lines. And I stay near Lviv. This is Rachel Ray. This is Rachel Ray telling me of her fourth trip to the Ukraine. So, at, at this moment, maybe I would like to also say something else. She, but she also said, she also said, Rachel Ray, everyone there is in camouflage. We sit or eat in traffic stops, but you cannot erase these images from your head when you get back. You only want to stand by them and be with them. Okay, this is something I want to say about this country. I, can we speak for one moment about dumbass Buttigieg, who figured the train wreck in East Palestine was in Saudi Arabia? He was once mayor of a town smaller than his brain. This is our transportation secretary and his husband, whom he met on the Internet, once told me, we know that Pete will one day become president, and when we move into the White House, we intend to play lots of loud music. How about that? Our country, tis of who? Meantime... The White House is securing access. Bottles, knives, mace, pepper spray, all prohibited. The Secret Service is securing access to whoever tries to get to the White House. Bottles, knives, mace, pepper spray, it's all prohibited. The Secret Service wanted to include corkscrews and bottle openers, but then the Biden family couldn't come in for meals. Listen, it's only in America, kids, only in America that we're talking about. Wait, now I will go to one other thing before I go to a station break and I bring you a nice interview. So don't turn me off because I'm about to get more interesting. I want to ask you something. Tupac Shakur's 14-carat gold and diamond pinky ring is up for auction. Today is the last day. It was worn in his All About You music video. And maybe, who knows, while he was also picking his teeth. Letters M-O-B in diamonds stand for Member of Blood. It comes from an ex-girlfriend. How she got it? Please, this is not polite to ask. Gotta have it. Rock and roll is expecting it to bring maybe $30,000. MOB in the Death Row Encyclopedia stands for Member of Blood and refers to the gang Tupac was in, which ultimately got him killed. He wore the thing on stage, also with whatever he might have been doing with the lady friend. Hip hop there fast. The auction ends today. And right now, I am going to temporarily end 
so that you can have a station break, and then I will be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Mark Levine is our Manhattan Borough President. He is the 28th Borough President of Manhattan, and I have never met one of them before. What the hell do you do, Mark? What is it that you guys do? It took you 28 borough presidents to finally meet one of us, Cindy. <laughs> I, I, yeah, they're I hiding. They're, the they're in cocktail parties. Tell me, what the, you, do you do? Our job is to fight for the borough. We have real power over land use, zoning, what you can build where, historic preservation. We run the community boards. We have budgets to invest in things like renovating libraries and parks and schools and museums. We can introduce legislation in the city council. And more. It all adds up to being a great platform to fight for the borough, to put out an agenda and organize to achieve it. In my case, on behalf of Manhattan, I'm one year in and it's been a great ride so far, Cindy. Fine. It sounds so great talking to you. Now, can you tell me what do you think is the best method to deal with the increase of homeless people in Manhattan? Before you tell me more about libraries and all the rest of it, what about what we're living through at this moment? Well, it really is a tragedy. It's a human tragedy that, that so many of our fellow New Yorkers are, are out on the streets in horrible conditions. So much of it is connected to people struggling with severe mental illness. I think you know this. Cindy, yeah, and yeah. we want to, we've had, we've had a, a significant loss of inpatient psychiatric beds. We lost over 400 before the pandemic in Manhattan alone. We lost hundreds more during the pandemic when they were switched to COVID and they have not come back. It is very hard to get someone admitted for inpatient psychiatric care in a hospital in New York. And if they are admitted, they're often pushed out prematurely before they're really stable. We have got to fix this. Even at Bellevue, which is our premier public hospital for treatment of, of psychiatric patients. They only have 19 beds in their long-term care unit for psychiatric patients. We've got to do better. And then let me just say, ultimately, um, we have to do more to get people the housing they need. And for people who are struggling with mental health or other issues, there's a kind of housing Cindy called supportive housing, which has services built in 24-7, which is very effective. So we have to move on all fronts. We've got to get the kind of housing people need. We have to improve our mental health system. It's complicated, but we have no choice but to do it. So far, you sound great. I would like to know what the hell is ever happening. This is what I hear if I were to have spoken to the other 27 guys who do what you do. But so far, nothing is happening. There is so much empty commercial real estate space in Manhattan. What is it you guys do besides go to cocktail parties and talk <laughs> to people like me? What the hell do you do? Well, by the way, you have to invite me to a cocktail party where I can hang out with you, Cindy. Yeah, okay. Until that happens, <laughs> I, am, I am actually very upset about the number of vacant storefronts. We see it in every neighborhood of Manhattan. 
And it really just, it kind of kills the life of the community. It's also a public safety issue when you have a dark and vacant storefront. Now, this was a problem before the pandemic. Because of competition from Amazon and the Internet, it got much, much worse, as I think you know, Cindy, over the past three years for a whole variety of reasons. The bottom line is landlords are going to have to lower rents in these commercial spaces because it's harder to run a business. You have competition from the Internet. And they're landlords who are refusing to do it. And they are preferring to actually forego rent, leave the space vacant. And that's just not good for New York. It's not good for communities. I would even say we have to look at something dramatic like a vacancy tax on these empty storefronts. We got to do something, Cindy, because until the rents come down, uh, we're just going to be suffering these dead spaces in every neighborhood. So you guys, your your answer to, is to tax us who are or not poor. It's always to tax us. What is it you guys do? Tell me what you do, Mark. I really am interested. You go to cocktail parties. You you make speeches. I don't know that you guys do a friggin' thing. Not that I'm against you. I think what you do is great. I just don't know what it is. Can you tell me? Well, and, 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 unless you own... Uh, commercial buildings in Manhattan, uh, you're, you're not the one I'm talking about with uh, vacancies. But look, we, we launched a $2 million loan fund for small businesses in Manhattan, zero interest loans, up to 50,000. It's been incredibly impactful, Re- really proud of that. Um, we collected thousands of pounds of contributions for migrants arriving from other parts of the country, migrants from Central America and South America. Um, Manhattanite stepped up. I'm, I'm really proud of that. Uh, we have distributed thousands and thousands of free COVID safety kits with things like digital thermometers and pulse oximeters and all that good stuff. So, you know, we're trying to help on every front, economic development, public health and more. And uh, we have a lot more work to do, but Manhattan is making progress. I really believe that we are coming out of this pandemic. We have more work to do, but this is still a place that people want to live and visit and you see it uh, in the tourist numbers. You see it in the rising rents. You see it in the crowded restaurant. We're coming back strong. I really believe that, Cindy. Well, okay. You have previously served as a member of the New York City Council from 2014 to like 2021 or something. Yeah. You've represented districts in Manhattan neighborhoods. Can you tell me what personally you might have done, a law you passed? Or in what way were you influential? So it's not just a cocktail party? (laughs) Absolutely. The proudest, uh, my proudest legislation, the legislation I'm most proud of having passed in the city council, it's really historic. It makes New York City the first place in America that gives tenants facing an eviction in housing court the right to counsel, the right to an attorney. And this is basic fairness. You want everyone represented in a proceeding like that to have the benefit of an attorney fighting for them. It has dramatically dropped the eviction rate. It has helped to lower homelessness. Uh, It's under threat right now, though, Cindy, because coming out of the pandemic, we have more and more evictions, and it's overwhelmed the legal service system so that many tenants are now not getting their right to counsel fulfilled, and that is in part meaning people land in homeless shelters. So we're fighting to strengthen the law, but I'm really proud of passing that in 2017 with my partner, who's now also a borough president. She's great. You should have her on, Vanessa Gibson. Borough President of the Bronx, um, and it's been uh, a game change for the city. It's being replicated all over the country. That started in New York City. I'm very proud of that. 
I have never seen anything improved in the Bronx, but that's very interesting to talk to you because I'm now suddenly hearing about all these wonderful <laughs> things that have there happened in the Bronx. Before we go further, tell us your beginning. You you were you were a teacher. You tell was, tell us yeah. your beginning. Where do you come from? Where do you, where, where but, were you born? But, but well, I actually I grew up in Columbia, Maryland, and I moved here after college. I had studied physics in college. Believe it or not, yes, Cindy, don't quiz me, but it's true. And I okay. became a science <laughs> teacher in the South Bronx. I taught at a public junior high school, junior high school 149, bilingual. I'm a Spanish speaker as well. And it was a, a difficult but wonderful experience, Cindy. And I'm still in touch with some of my students from those days. I'm very proud of how many have gone on to great careers. And that experience as a teacher launched me into a life of community work. I started a nonprofit in Washington Heights a community credit union, making loans to businesses and residents. And then, uh, as you said, entered the city council in 2014, and it's been a great ride. Really proud to have become borough president of the year ago, uh, representing the borough at the center of the universe, Manhattan. It's been, it's been wonderful. I really feel grateful to be in the job. Where is your center of the universe office? <laughs> we are at... One Center Street, the municipal building, the David Dinkins Municipal Building, right across from City Hall. We have an uptown office on 125th Street, five, excuse me, 431 West 125th Street. Folks can reach out anytime. Can I read the phone number of the office, Cindy? Oh, how can I stop you? Go ahead. <laughs> 212-669-8300. Reach out anytime. Okay, now is it my turn? Can I ask another question? <laughs> Please do. So com community services like jails, halfway houses, methadone clinics, it's necessary for the community and often a contentious topic. How does city government decide where these community services will be located so that the people who live around them won't fight? So this is such an important and challenging question, Cindy. It is everything from affordable housing to homeless shelters to mental health clinics that the city needs. But often when in a, a specific site is proposed, people raise objections. And it's one of the reasons yeah. why we're building so little housing in Manhattan. We only built 3,500 units last year, which is so uh, far behind where we need to be. We've got to elevate the conversation. We have to bring the citywide needs into the local dialogue. We have to have a deliberate plan. We can't just sit back and wait for a developer to propose housing and then fight about it. We need a plan borough-wide, citywide, about where we're going to build the housing we need. And that's why a few weeks ago, Cindy, I actually published exactly that kind of plan. We identified 171 sites all over Manhattan where we can build housing, including affordable housing, it would be 73,000 units, 30,000 of them would be affordable. It would be a game change for our borough and our city. And I'm getting a great reaction because people are saying, okay, I realize you're not just targeting my block. You're doing something bigger. Okay, I get the big picture. We need to do that for every kind of infrastructure. That's the way you overcome this difficult conversation at the local level. I mean, I never heard of anybody quite as wonderful as you. I didn't realize all of these things were not yet happening. Okay, so are you also in support of legalized marijuana so that we smell them on every street? Is that it? Is that what, well, one of the things well, you voted for? 
Borough president? Hang out. I don't know where you hang out, Cindy, but we've been smelling <laughs> marijuana on my block for about 20 years. But we've also had... Well, I'm sales. on a block where they haven't been smelling it. I've been on a block where they're smelling fragrance and perfume and beautiful things and oranges and fruit. Tell me what there is if you walk on the street and you smell legalized marijuana that you find is so wonderful. I would like to well, hear it. I, I, I got to hang out on your block. That smells, sounds like really good smells. Look, our, 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 effort to, our effort to prohibit marijuana failed. It failed. It didn't stop it. The sales of it were everywhere on streets, and it led to violent crime related to the illegal trade. It led to, uh, ultimately, across the country, millions of young people being incarcerated, uh, often for nonviolent offenses, uh, which damage communities, it failed. And other states are way ahead of New York in creating a legal regime which is taxed and regulated. It brings in revenue for the state, and it uh, very clearly prohibits young people from accessing it. It's, it's a much safer way to do this. And I do support New York transitioning to this. Uh, we've got four dispensaries open in New York State. Three are in Manhattan. And I have visited them. They are safe. They are well lit. They are well run. And they are much better than the illegal options that we've had in the years past. I actually think this is going to make New York safer and more economically vital. And it'll be a win for equity. Some of the same people who were brutalized by the war on drugs are now going to be owning these businesses. That's really an incredible success story that I celebrate. Listen to me. I'm getting tired of you. I am listening to you. And every, everything that I ask, you have a wonderful answer. The city is falling down, but you have great up answers. Okay. So are you also, since you are in favor of everything that I despise, are you also in favor of gambling? Oh, I am concerned about gambling addiction. I feel like with the proliferation of casinos all around the New York region with the availability of sports betting on everyone's phone, that gambling addiction is starting to hit people hard. It's impacting low-income people and working-class people who can't afford to lose that money. As you probably know, there is there are going to be three more casino licenses granted um, in and around New York City. And one of them could be in Manhattan. There are a number of bids in Manhattan in neighborhoods like Times Square and uh, the top of Saks Fifth Avenue and Hudson Yards. Uh, they're competing against bids in Queens and Brooklyn and elsewhere. And I, I am worried that that would only worsen gambling addiction. Now, there are jobs on the line, and I don't minimize the fact that we would get tax revenue, which we need. So there is an economic argument. But you raised the, the very concern that I have, too, that it would be Manhattanites and New Yorkers who would just fall into gambling addiction. And that's something we really have to guard against. So if I listen to you, I am about to say, do you realize that this country is now being thought of as a second class citizen country? We used to be the number one place in the whole world. We were the greatest, the United States of America. We are falling apart. We are the second-class citizens everywhere. We are being laughed at. Our country is awful. Our city is worse. I cannot walk on the streets at night 
and here I have a borough president telling me how wonderful everything is. What is the matter with the way I think as opposed to the way you think? What is wrong? What is going to happen to New York, the greatest effing place in the entire universe? You are amazing, Cindy. Don't change. But I'll, I'll tell you that I still believe in New York. I believe this is a place where people want to live and work and study and shop and, and see a show. We have work to do. We have to improve public safety. We have to fix the broken mental health crisis. We have to create affordable housing. We have to improve mass transit. We have to do all of those things. And that takes work. I'm not denying that. But I love New York. I don't want to be anywhere else. And, and you know how I know I'm not the only one who feels that way? You know what rents are averaging now in Manhattan, Cindy? Over 5000 a month. Wow. Now, that, that's a problem because it's pricing out low-income people and working-class people and kids are coming back from college. But it's proof that people want to live here. You know how many tourists came to New York last year? 56 million. You know how many people moved out of New York? Yes. and that's You know how many people moved out of New York? Everyone over the age of 11 is now in Florida, where late dinner is 4.30. I mean, I understand about all the people moving in. How about all the people moving out? How about people are homeless, living on my streets? How about all that while you have a wonderful office? I have nobody else to holler at. You're the only one I can holler at, so I'm going to holler. What the hell is going to happen to to the capital of the world, New York City? I'd like to know that. Well, first, Cindy, you can call and holler me anytime, or you can have me on the Good. show to holler. Uh, but look, look we, we have to address the crisis that, that we've been talking about, uh, homelessness and, and mental health and addiction and, uh, and, and the broader problems of sanitation and mass transit and affordable housing and more. But we're making progress. Did you know that subway crime is down for the last three months? Um, That's because that nobody's get, taking it. No, no, no. Ridership is up. Ridership <laughs> is up. We're at 75% uh, of pre-pandemic on weekends. Um, so, uh, so we, we, that's not enough. We got to do better. But we are making progress on many fronts. And I think the right thing is to say I, that we believe in New York. We love in New York, but we got to make it better. That, that's what it means to love a place. You got to make it better. Um, you know, Ron DeSantis came here. He lectured us about our crime. There are 12 murders. For 100,000 residents in Jacksonville, that is a city in Florida with a Republican mayor, and there are four murders for 100,000 people in New York City. So a little facts never hurt. Doesn't mean we don't got to do better here. One murder is one too many in New York. But, uh, you know, the reason there are so many murders, one of the reasons there are so many murders in Florida is they got alligators. We don't have them here. If we had alligators, our murder rate would go up higher. But that's what he's got that we don't have. You've got a mouth like an alligator. You can answer anything. No matter what I ask you, you have a great answer. I'm going to give you a question. I would like to have an answer. Can you tell me one law you passed or in what way you were influential? So I can tell everyone because now you're sort of my best friend for the next few minutes. Tell me a law you passed. I I am. I am really proud of uh, what I was able to do in the pandemic, Cindy. I was chairing the city council health committee. Uh, I took that role in 2018. And uh, of course, the pandemic hit shortly thereafter. And I I just put my heart and soul into 
being a source of good information um, and fighting for the city during those difficult times as chair of the health committee. Not sure if you're on Twitter, but uh, I use that as a platform to let people know where they could get their vaccination, to let people know whether we are making progress on getting our, our cases down every day, uh, let people know when we were entering difficult times. And, uh, and I, I'm stopped every day on the streets of Manhattan by people who um, tell me how grateful they are that they, they had me as a source of information. I still care, I care a lot about public health, even though I'm not city council health chair anymore. And um, I'm worried that we're not doing enough to pre- prepare for the next pandemic. That's a long discussion. Uh, maybe you'll have me on the show to talk about that. But um, I, I, I feel like when the next big one hits, Sandy, um, we're going to make some of the same mistakes again. And that's not acceptable. So more work to do on public health for sure. But in the meantime, thank goodness New York City has yeah. Cindy Adams because you're a voice of, of, of um, passion and you, you keep it real and you have fanatical following. And I want to hang out with you at a cocktail party soon. Okay, listen, I was born in New York. I was educated in New York. I have always lived in New York. The dog I have is a Yorkie, a Yorkshire Terrier. I have been on the New York Post since before Alexander Hamilton founded it. I've been there for 41 years. New York to me is my blood. I love the city of New York. I am telling you, it is falling apart. I can't bear it. And I always begin to think, don't get mad at me, but I always think that politicians go into politics so that they don't have to worry about invoices and supply and having to feed their families. That's what I think. Maybe you are doing wonderful things. Maybe. I just don't see it happening in my city. All right. Well, I'm going to take that as a rallying cry to do even more to focus on the challenges we've talked about. Um, I'll use every tool I have as your Manhattan Borough President, and uh, I, I, I believe we can do it. I believe we can and will do better. I believe we're making progress. We have to both shine a light on our successes and be honest about our challenges, and that's, that, that's been the balance I've tried to achieve. But I, I, I take you seriously, Cindy, and, and I know you speak for others. So uh, you, you, you can be sure that I'm going to get up every morning to do my best to fight for Manhattan to get stronger and better and healthier and safer and more just. And I, I believe we can do that. And we're not going to stop fighting until we do. Mark, I'm telling you, Plato couldn't have been better. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. And I look forward to speaking with you again. It's a true pleasure, <laughs> Cindy. Thank you so much. All the Thanks, best. sweetie. Bye-bye. The Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Here I am. I'm back again. I'm about to tell you that Biography Magazine, which I didn't even know existed, nor do I care, but there's a magazine called Biography, and it has a partial list of organizations that are supported by His Royal Highness Prince Charles, the semi-almost king. Or he is a king now. He's not a real king. What is he? He's a partial king. This is what he has supported all his life. The National Rifle Association. The Goon, G-O-O-N. The Goon Show Preservation Society. Atlantic Salmon Trust. 
the World Piano Competition, the British Sub-Aqua Club, the British Parachute Association, the Worshipful Company of Fruiterers Fruit Culture Trust, the Museum of Garden History, Orders and Medals Research Society, and the Specialist Cheese Makers Association, and one more, the Welch Black Cattle Society. This is who is about to become the King of Great Britain. Okay, meantime, the aisles are alive with the sound of British royalty books. Comes now Lady Carnarvon. She is the Chatelaine caregiver, classy owner, of what's not just any lousy half-room share in Brighton. She runs and owns the homestead, the homestead of this eighth Countess Carnarvon, is the 300-room Highclere Castle, which, she told me when I visited her, is haunted. It's where Downton Abbey filmed, and which hosted even Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth, and the joint is haunted. Her countesship, who owns it, has just published works on the castle's food, history, and tchotchkes. Her new book, now out in England, is called The Earl and the Pharaoh. Great read, even if she doesn't need the money. So listen, I have a complaint. I have lots of complaints, but I want to share them with you. My complaint this moment is checking things on the Internet. I fell across HBO's Sex Diary. It is not something in which I am showing interest. I am not tuning it in either. It has the F, as in Frank, F word spelled out repeatedly. Now, kids read this. People hear this. And this is what should be open and legible and promoted and see what you're searching for when you're looking for what's on the Internet. We should allow this. Isn't there someone watching anything? We have drugs, marijuana, gambling, mice, filth, killings, bonkers. We also have Biden. Isn't there somebody, anybody out there to help us? Michael J. Fox. He wrote warts, Parkinson's and all. He gave full scenes for a documentary about him for producer Davis Guggenheim, who then says... Michael J. Fox was stubborn when we made this, and when family wanted to help him, he said, no, no poor me, no violence, no feeling sorry for me. Parkinson's can make a pitying movie. This one is filled with life, hope, and spirit. So I will not feel sorry for myself. And he says... If I don't feel sorry for myself, why should anyone else? I thought that that was quite wonderful. I want to tell you now a little something about what Saul Wachtler 
said, Saul Walkler is the former New York State of Appeals chief judge. He has had his own difficulties, but he is now Turo Law School adjunct professor. He was speaking about Hochul's lost nominee for chief judge. Here is what he said when he was chief judge of the state of New York. He said the Court of Appeals has little concern if a candidate's conservative or progressive. In 1974, 128 years after creating the court, Harold Stevens, who was our first African-American and from a dirt floor poor Jim Crow shack, he was seated. Appraising Hector LaSalle just on his record, which is what they have done to the governor, that destroys the non-political Court of Appeals merit selection process. Continuing on, he says, In Wisconsin, judicial candidates campaign, pay attention here, in Wisconsin, judicial candidates campaign on abortion, redistricting, same-sex marriage, Affordable Care Act. The final word no longer by executive and legislative branches, is by Wisconsin Supreme Court's seven mayors. Continuing on, says the judge, legislation predicated on populist notions, selecting a next chief judge based on bumper sticker mentality, ideology invites judicial abuse and tyranny. Also, also, he says, cannibals' advantage over politicians is that cannibals do not eat members of their own family. And with that happy little note, I'm going to sign off and hope you will listen to me again next Sunday at 1 o'clock. Thank you. It's Cindy Adams signing off.